and welcome to Becoming Today. You are listening to episode 111, Accept and Trust God. Welcome to Becoming, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. We are your hosts, Tawny Beardall and Erica Peterson. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. Hi, everybody. This is Tawny Beardall. I'm going to be your host today. And today we are discussing step number five in the Spiritual Surrender series, accept and trust God's divine purposes and timing in all things. And this series, again, is from an article written by Laura Brothersom. She is absolutely incredible, and I highly suggest to just print off this seven steps of spiritual surrender and follow along with me. It's been really amazing for me to dive into the series, and I've just loved it. This step in particular is really interesting to me. In the past, when I've been through really heavy stuff, I've struggled with this step. I always thought that in life, you are supposed to make this big life plan. And then if you did the right thing, and you lived righteously, that everything would or should work out how you planned it to be, how it was supposed to be. But then life continued to not go as pictured. And I've resisted and I've resisted and I've wrestled with what I wanted to have happen rather than what God was trying to nudge me to do. Does anyone else understand me here have this similar experience? But after these years of struggle and personal growth and really working to have a godly understanding, one day it just clicked. I don't know what happened, but I let go and I decided to trust God. And you know what? The struggles haven't stopped at all, (laughs) but something inside of me has changed. Something shifted and I feel complete peace. It's a peace beyond understanding. And now I absolutely love this concept. Accept and trust God's divine purposes and timing in all things. So in this article, Brothersome does a wonderful job explaining this step. As she says, when you let go and trust in God, you stop fighting and you begin to relax into a state of peace and acceptance of what is. Surrender is being okay with what is. You might think of leaning into the pain instead of resisting or fighting it. To truly let go, you must trust God and know that he is aware, in charge, and has a plan or purpose for all things, and that everything will work out somehow. She then cites this beautiful scripture. It's Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Acceptance with God is different than hopelessness or resignation. It's giving in to God's will rather than giving up into hopelessness. I'm going to repeat that because to me, this is the most important statement in this whole step. It's giving in to God's will rather than giving up into hopelessness. I know that some people probably thought my letting go looked more like a resignation, just giving up because it's so hard or too heavy to bear. But that wasn't the way at all. 
It's all about placing your energy and hope in God rather than what you thought was what was best for you. So she then goes on to say that God's wisdom is greater than ours and his timing is better than ours as well. We can trust in God and his timing. Know that God can turn bad things into good. I like to remember that God always has something better in store for us than we could create for ourselves. Are you willing to submit to all things that the Lord may see fit to inflict upon you or to allow to happen to you? God is the backup plan you can count on no matter what. Um, So it's really interesting to me that she says that God is the backup plan. I'm at the point where I don't even want to make plans for my life anymore. (laughs) I have just become so fascinated in what God wants for me that I kind of just like following blindly where he leads me. I mean, take this podcast, for instance. There's no way in the world that I would have chosen to do this on my own will. No, thank you. That sounds scary. And it sounds like so much work. Plus, I told myself, I'm not qualified. And I have no idea what I would even say. Well, I couldn't kick the prompting. And here we are 111 episodes later. I guess I haven't ran out of things to say yet, right? (laughs) And I have truly loved this experience so much. It's pushed me. It's helped me grow in ways that I never would have been able to experience without it. And I've been able to grow a great friendship with Erica through this, as well as meeting incredible people by being able to interview them and learn from them. Such a gift. So no, I don't want to use God's plan as a backup. I want it to be my first plan. But then I kind of get this whispering from the spirit that makes me know that it's okay to dream. It's okay to make plans and to work hard for what we want. So I'm going to challenge myself to do better at this. But I do think that I want to be a little more thorough about consulting with my father in heaven along the way. And even so, if things don't go smoothly or as I plan them, it will just be a reminder to me that I have some more exciting things that I need to learn along the way. Brotherson goes on to suggest that we need to consider these two concepts. The first is to focus on the divine purpose. I wholeheartedly believe in this concept. Sometimes we are just so close to a problem that we cannot see it for what it is. I had a friend once help me understand this better by having me put my palm right up to my nose. I want you to do it with me. When you are looking at the situation that closely, you cannot see the details. You can't understand the whole picture. All you see is this big blurry hand, right? So now pull it away from your face. When you do this, you begin to see these intricate lines and the particular personal characteristics of your hands. When we're in the middle of a big crisis or a life change, sometimes the best thing that we can do is to take a step back and take a breath and try to look at things from a different perspective. Pretend like you aren't the one going through this and imagine what advice you would give a friend in the same circumstance. What lessons might this friend learn from the heartbreak or from the change in their life? Brotherson then goes on to say, Trust God's divine purposes, his refining process. What if in God's wisdom, he wants you to go through whatever you're experiencing so that you can put off the natural man and develop vital Christ-like characteristics 
such as patience, faith, humility, compassion, or submission to Him. When we surrender to Him, we can know that He can do more with us and make more of our lives than we ever could make of ourselves. Know that He loves you and any other people involved, and He will somehow make something good out of even the worst of situations and circumstances. Know that even in the midst of your challenges, God has an eternal compensating reward and that his grace is sufficient. She then cites one of my all-time favorite scriptures, and that is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest upon me. Okay, this scripture has never made more sense to me as it does now. When I surrender to God and admit my weakness and my need for his grace in my life, then am I made the strongest I've ever been. Because he finally has the opportunity to penetrate my heart and strengthen my soul. When I think I'm totally good on my own and I've got this, I am missing out on having the advantage of having his power to lift me to influence my thoughts and actions, to guide my decisions and direct my future. When I realize my inadequacies and submit my will to his and then put all of my trust in him, that is when I become the best version of myself. When things get particularly difficult, I have to continue to remind myself to pull my palm away from my face and try to find the divine purpose behind what I am going through. This actually reminds me of one of my very favorite short stories. I use this a lot when I teach lessons on adversity. There's a group of women in a Bible study, and they're focused on the book of Malachi. As they're studying chapter 3, they come across verse 3, which says, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. This verse puzzled the women, and they wondered what the statement meant about the character and nature of God. One of the women offered to find out the process of refining silver and get back to the group in their next Bible study. That week, the woman called a silversmith and made an appointment to watch him at work. She didn't mention anything about the reason for her interest beyond her curiosity about the process of refining silver. As she watched the silversmith, he held a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. He explained that in refining silver, One needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest, as to burn away the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot. And then she thought again about the verse, that he sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time the silver was being refined. The man answered that yes, he not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep his eye on the silver the entire time it was in the fire. If the silver was left a moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. The woman was silent for a moment. And then she asked the silversmith, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled at her and answered, oh, that's easy. When I see my image in it. If today you are feeling the heat of the fire, remember that God has his eye on you and will keep watching you until he sees his image in you. I love this. I love this so much. He will never leave you in that flame too long. 
And I promise you guys that he has a purpose with every single detail of our lives, especially the difficult ones. What if we decided to approach every single obstacle, challenge, or tragedy with the attitude of, what can I learn from this? What godly attribute am I going to gain from this experience? Think about how this would change your life and how it would just alter your attitude and your perspective on everything. This quote by Orson F. Whitney helps explain what I'm trying to reiterate here. He says, no pain that we suffer, no trial that we experience is wasted. It ministers to our education, to the development of such qualities as patience, faith, fortitude, and humility. All that we suffer and all that we endure, especially when we endure it patiently, builds up our character, purifies our hearts, expands our soul, and makes us more tender and charitable, more worthy to be called children of God. And it is through sorrow and suffering, toil and tribulation, that we gain the education that we came here to acquire, and which will make us more like our Father and Mother in heaven. Yes, that is the whole point of why we're here, right? That's why we're on this earth. First is to gain this body, and then to grow and learn. Let's stop resisting that part of this human experience. Somewhere along the way, I and many of us, I suppose, decided that avoiding pain and trials makes for a happier life. What if we've just been lying to ourselves this whole time? What if the heartache and the struggle are in fact what helps us understand what happiness really is? What if it's the best way that we're able to step into the magnificent person that we were meant to become? I like to think about weightlifting. If we don't have the resistance of that heavy weight against our muscle, then it would be impossible for our muscles to grow and change. Resistance and struggle can become our best teacher and friend. The second concept that Brotherson asks us to consider is something called the gift of crisis. She says, sometimes the challenges you are facing are actually a rock bottom or a gift of crisis for you to finally have the will, desire, or motivation to learn important lessons, develop new skills, or make important changes in your life that you may not have been willing to do without this gift of crisis. So I read this idea of the gift of crisis, and this subject was really heavy on my mind when one of my friends on Instagram linked this amazing post by a woman named Sydney Leanne. It was so impactful that I knew it belonged in this episode. She gives advice on how to feel immediate appreciation for the bad things that happen to you. She says, accept that it is impossible to know true happiness without truly knowing its opposite. Is it any wonder that happiness can feel so elusive when we've been trained since childhood that experiencing sadness should be limited? Accept that you are here to become the greatest version of yourself. Accept that feet is literally impossible without knowing the weakest version of yourself. Embrace your weaknesses and the shadows of your life. They are your friends, your gifts, your guides. Accept that hitting a new low is inevitable. And hitting it is not a reflection of failure or a lack of love and divinity in your life but rather a powerful witness of the formidable being you are and the light you are now capable of possessing. 
Experiencing the dark of your life is an act of creation. In the very moment you experience it, you're creating an entirely new capacity for light, joy, wisdom, and unshakable peace. Be liberated in your new low. Your new low is your new high. Seeing, accepting, and dare I say celebrating your pain, your triggers, or your big pile of medical bills is a transformative act of rebellion. No longer are you held captive by them. They are a promise that light is on the way if you are willing to receive it. Accept that you are a creator and your greatest act of creation is you. If you can make a list of everything you hope to be, all the things you admire and all the people around you and the gifts that you hope to embody, then make a list of its opposites. You will know that every day of pain is creation and you're on your way to a masterpiece. Aren't her words so remarkable? They just resonate so much with me. I think that pain has a way of leaving this empty space inside of you that ends up giving you the room that you need to fill your soul with something even more wonderful. She's right, pain is creation. What beauty are you going to create by surrendering and letting go? I've loved reflecting on this fifth step of spiritual surrendering. Before you guys go on with your day today, just take a minute to think about what you might feel prompted to let go of and how you can show God that you trust in him and in his timing. That is where I promise you, you will find lasting peace and real joy. I hope you guys join me next week as we discuss step number six, which is believe. It's going to be a good one. Have a wonderful week and just know I'm thinking about you and rooting for you. Promptly Journals has amazing journaling options for teens and teen parents. From journals directed to teens, gratitude journals, and parent-child connection journals, you're bound to find a journal that is going to be perfect for your teen. I just bought a few of my own journals, and not only are they beautifully made, but I loved the prompts so much, we knew we needed to share them with you. To view available journal options, click on the link in our bio and use the code BECOMING to get 10% off.